Who's getting nervous? Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to Conversation with Calvin, We the Species, and uh, Happy Valentine's Day. Therefore, it's February 14th. And and uh, I, I'm, I'm with Mirav Zur, and we've been talking for a long time now. Before we went on air, we talked for a whole bunch before this. Uh, and, and, and I'm going to read the, the title because part of it uh, I haven't committed and, and why this is so important for a, a whole bunch of people, including myself. But she's an actress and a producer and a writer and a director and a theater founder. And important, really important, she's the creator and performer of, quote, inconceivable, the totally true one-woman semi-fertile quasi-musical, unquote. That is key and, and elemental. She has done a, 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 a play, a one-person play about a, a subject that's very taboo, infertility. And, and when I kind of saw all this and we discovered each other on uh, social media, uh, I felt immediate bonding uh, and identification and commonality with Mirav uh, only because, and I'll say it on air, I don't think I've ever said it uh, on air or, or acknowledged it. You know, it's been buried away. But, uh, you know, my wife and I went through that journey of uh, infertility. So coming up and finding uh, inconceivable uh, and looking at a million trailers and laughing. I mean, really laughing. Uh, and not something you really want to laugh about. On the other hand, uh, Reader's Digest for a million years made a lot of money on, on, a, uh, on a segment of Reader's Digest, Laughter is the Best Medicine. Uh, and, and we discussed this, uh, Mirai, we discussed this, you know, this, this, just laughing about it can probably help. So uh, th this is my monologue. So this is really a very special, deep, funny, uh, uh, timely, relevant, environmental, all kinds of things thrown together with Mirab. So uh, I've done my, uh, I always say it, my, uh, my Johnny Carson monologue. Uh, and I, I'm so thrilled to introduce Mirav Zur. And if you could do a little, you know, background and stuff, and then we'll jump in. Sure. Thank you, first of all, so much for having me. And it, I just, I'm so happy that we got to connect and talk and get to know each other. And we found out so many things that we have in common, um, <laughs> including this craziness of infertility. Um, so yeah, um, my name is Mayrav. I know that's so, it's hard to pronounce, but um, I'm professionally an actor um, and I'm a producer, writer, or director. That's on my professional side. Um, and per personally during uh, this whole, you know, time that I was writing and performing and directing and doing all sorts of stuff related with theater work, uh, personally, I was going through infertility. Um, at the time, I didn't think anyone else was, and I wasn't talking about it. So, of course, I was the only one in the world who was experiencing this, and I didn't want to talk about it. I told my husband not to talk about it so we wouldn't have to deal with questions, shame, guilt, all the stuff that we didn't really 
I felt like we didn't need to deal with on top of everything. So um, we didn't talk about it for years and years. Um, and then at some point uh, a few years ago, um, my husband once again suggested I should talk about it with someone, even a professional or friend or whatever. And I said, no, no, no. But then I said, okay, maybe this time I should. But I didn't really know how because, okay, how am I going to talk about this thing that no one talks about? I'm the only one in the world experiencing this. How do I explain to people that I am this freak of nature without, you know, whatever. So um, I decided that the only way I could talk about it was by bringing the comedy to it. Um, that's my go-to with everything I do performance wise. I love comedy. I love the artistry of it. The, the fact that people don't even notice there's artistry to it. I said, okay, I could do that. So I invited over some friends. Uh, they didn't know what they were coming to. I just said, come over on this and this date. We're just going to talk about, you know, hormones and I'll have some cookies or something like that. And <laughs> they said, okay. Um, you know, they, they knew what I do for a living. They've come and supported me on shows and everything. And they said, okay, whatever. What is her new quirk? Whatever. We'll come. And they came, I had a few friends over um, and I sat in front of them. I prepared everything that I was going to say. Um, and I said, Can you uh, put your volume up? We've yeah. just lost a little volume. Okay. Oh, sure. Can you hear me now? Okay. Better? Better. Yeah. So uh, they came over and I said, okay, um, I'm going to tell you something. But I didn't tell it to them like a story. I literally said it through funny characters and silly songs. And I had props and like I, I did this sort of a show, but not really. I, I actually wasn't really moving much because I was so nervous. And that's it. And then I was I was done. And I literally went to the door, opened the door and wanted them to shuffle out. Like I said, okay, now you know, and you can leave. And then now you know why I've been maybe distant or, you know, weird or, you know, emotional or whatever. Now you can go. We'll never have to talk about it again. But they wouldn't go. They, they just stayed there and they started talking about kind of their own related stories that started to come up. And that got me really interested, not so much because they weren't leaving my house, but I said, okay, and here's something that I thought I was the only one going through, but other people have gone through it. And it's not just a little thing that I maybe sort of knew it. There's much more to it. There's so much more that people aren't revealing and talking about. And why in that one room, we all had some sort of connection to something. And that got me really intrigued. And I said, okay, maybe there's something here. And my friends who were super supportive, and of course they were laughing and everything the whole time. They said, you have to make this a real show, like an actual show. And you know, you do this, so make this into a show. And I said, well, who's gonna, you know, maybe you came to watch cause you're my friend, but who's gonna come that doesn't know me. But I said, okay, maybe I'll work on it. And I actually did, I worked on it. It took me about a year to develop it into an actual show. I worked, uh, you know, with uh, everything related to, you know, from, from styling to a dramaturg and we get it on, on stage. Um, I really had the pleasure of working with awesome people on this to, to get this on stage. And I did, and I really thought it was going to be a one night show, but I was prepared. I'll do a one night only, you know, just get this out there. I'll prove to my friends that no one besides my friends wants to hear me talk about my vagina, but whatever. So <laughs> I, I did it. And, um, and at that premiere, I had some people that knew me, but the majority, I had no idea who they were. They were complete strangers. And it was very successful. There were people that 
just, I mean, first of all, everyone laughed. I mean, the jokes, I was so worried that no one would, how dare I laugh at something like this? Um, but all the jokes were, you know, just people were laughing and they were crying and they, you know, everything. And, and people were coming up to me afterwards, you know, people that don't know me. And they were saying, thank you so much for finally talking about this. Thank you for making this, you know, understandable, or thank you. Our daughter is going through this and we had no clue really what she's going through, or, you know, my sister is going through this, but I, you know, I didn't really know if what what's happening. And, so it kind of became this sort of mission that I started to go on because I said, whoa, if I can do that on one night, you know, maybe I can, I can keep doing it. And, and that's what I did. I just kept performing it because in each performance I had those reactions. Everyone was like, from, from being completely shocked at knowing these things that, you know, this like these secret lives of people that they don't know and statistically it's secret lives of people they know. It's people in there and it's everyone in everyone's lives. Someone they know, if they haven't gone through it, it's someone they know that is or has gone through it um, to some degree. And it's just, um, it's been, it's been crazy. It's, it's been the whole, the whole thing has been inconceivable because I, it, it went from, you know, this one night where I didn't right. really think I, it was going to be anything to this show. I, you know, I took it, I, I had it, um, all over uh, it from, from, you know, private events to house shows to national theaters. I took it to off Broadway. It's, it's been insane. And um, unfortunately it, it really came to a halt uh, when that pandemic started, but I did convert to uh, virtual shows and, and, and slowly now going back to, you know, outdoor shows and hopefully slowly going back because it's just, um, it, it really has been affecting people so much so that now I, I want more people to see it because it's like, listen, this is what people are going through. And, you know, from having people, it's, it's everywhere from people understanding what their fellow, you know, family member or neighbor is going through to having actual policy changes from, you know, people saying, oh, perhaps, you know, me as a boss at work, I have people that I work for me that go through this. Perhaps I should be a bit more empathetic and understanding. Perhaps, you know, when people, you know, um, even policies as far as, you know, uh, you know, funding for certain things, um, you know, the healthcare issue is, is, you know, this whole thing with infertility from many countries is not just the emotional and physical. On top of that, it's also this financial burden. So that's also something that, you know, could be taken into consideration just, you know, from, from people thinking. This show just like, I like that it just makes people think. So that's, that's my spiel on that. <laughs> okay. By the way, uh, you know, I'm listening to you. Uh, it's been so long that my wife and I were in the middle of all that. And I, I mentioned this beforehand, you know, it took us like decades to recover financially. Yeah. Is this because it's, quote, still uh, uh, experimental you know, IVF? Is it still um, not is I, it covered? So I don't know the, you know, the reason. I know that in the States, a lot of the reasoning is due to, you know, these like, you know, medicine politics and like what, you know, what is what is being pushed more to get to get coverage and what is, you know, what is going to or have someone earn more from it, I don't know. Um, I was going through um, all this infertility stuff while I was living in Israel. 
And there, actually, um, IVF is covered uh, with healthcare. Um, it's it, not every IVF. I mean, at some point, it's you have to kind of do some sort of, you know, um, yeah, it's not it's not fully covered for like, you know, 20 IVFs. But yes, many cycles, especially for first child um, are covered. And that is huge. Uh, when I was going through that, it wasn't even anything I had to consider, luckily. And I feel so fortunate that I didn't have to deal with that as well, because I now I know of people who have uh, gone through it and are going through it. And that financial issue is just, it's mind blowing to have people just, you know, have their entire future is now changed because of, you know, what they were just trying to do that should have happened naturally. Because isn't that what we learned in school? That it's just gonna happen, so avoid it. <laughs> and now you know people are just trying everything to make it happen, and it's it's crazy. We're gonna come back to inconceivable because there's a million more things to talk about. But um, let's go back in time a little bit. Um, you, you have a bunch of different titles. Uh, just if you could. Um, so let's start with actress. If you can sure. do a little history, and then we'll go to producer and writer. So uh, let's uh, kind of um, dissect uh, some battles. Sure. So you're an well, actor. I, yeah, I started out as an actor. Just I, you know, that was my thing. I wanted to act. Um, very much drawn to comedy, of course, and very much drawn to improvisation, which is an art within itself within um, acting. Um, I really love the theater. I love the live in-person aspect. And I started out as, a, as an actor. Um, but as an actor, when you start out professionally, um, at least when and where I started, uh, the, the typical route is, okay, go to an agent, the agent will get you the majority of the opportunities through auditioning. Um, and then, you know, if you get the audition, you go to the audition. And if you pass that audition, you get the role and then it starts again. <laughs> and then, you know, and, and, and I accepted that that's part and parcel. That's part of the deal. Um, but at some point really quickly, I said, I, why should I wait for the opportunity? Why can't I just, you know, create my own opportunity and just create work for me. I, you know, I, I love to write and create and, and everything. And so I just, that, that's where it started. I, um, at the time I was living in Israel and I, and in Israel, they, um, English is a second language. It's taught as a second language from as early as third grade. I said, well, they have plays that come into schools. Why don't they have plays in English? And that's how I started. I started with a children's play and then um, I started from there, more children's plays. I expanded to, you know, shows for adults and plays for adults. And, and that's how this, I, I started the theater and, um, and, and I loved it. And I was, you know, that, that's, that was my main thing. So through necessity, I also became director and writer and producer and, uh, um, and, and driver and loader and unloader and, and stage manager and marketer and, uh, costume designer, everything. <laughs> so I, you know, through necessity, but I, I did everything I could. And um, I learned, uh, you know, along the way. And I'm very fortunate that I had also uh, other professionals who knew what they were doing to help me or I didn't, you know, or I couldn't. Um, and, uh, and that's, 
it, it, that's how, that's how that happened. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's funny, uh, uh, I, watching you, I got, I gotta, you know, I, I have to spit these things out watching the, the videos, your trailers and all that. Um, uh, uh, and, and I'm paying you a, a supremely high compliment, but there were times when I, I thought of Gilda Radner, Oh, wow. Thank you. That yeah. is, that is yeah. beyond when you were When you were cooking on stage there and you were going, you know, into your different characters and said, it's like Gilda. You know? <laughs> Thank you so, so much. Uh, that's what came to my mind. And, you know, she kind of started out that way too, like you did, you know, in yep. South City on uh, Chicago and, and the stuff they were doing, they were doing uh, 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 everything. So anyway, I, I thought I'd mention that to you. Yeah. Um, Thank you. In doing some of the, the readings uh, on you, uh, the term theater workshop facilitator came up. What is that? Um, I would actually uh, create uh, workshops and and run them. And I, I use the term facilitator because um, and it's essentially the, the people t participating that are you know, actually doing it. So I'm just facilitating. I'm just there saying, okay, let's go from here and there. Let's try this. Let's do that. I'm not really uh, kind of frontally okay. lecturing. Uh, they're very active and, and they do. So yeah, I, I, I did a lot of workshops as well. And <laughs> along with everything else, um, I facilitated and created and, and, and taught um, anything from, you know, theater basics and improv basics uh, to, you know, more advanced stuff. And yeah, it's uh, just, it, it's part of everything. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff actually that I've done that sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot, I also did that because it's so much, but yeah. Yeah, you don't realize that. Uh, I, I don't want to delve deeply into this, but uh, uh, you, when you were in Israel, you, you, you taught uh, American accent. And I have to say that uh, I, you know, I, I watched a bunch of your trailers uh, and, and uh, all those contact things are going to be at the bottom of the screen so people can see when they can click on it and blah, blah. Um, but uh, you do one mean Southern accent. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, really, uh, it, I mean, really, it's like I'm in Birmingham, you know, uh, <laughs> you know listen to you. It's Thank a great you. Southern accent. So you did a little of that teaching in, in Israel. Yes, um, I, I worked uh, mainly with professional working actors who kind of wanted to expand their um, repertoire and their toolkit. And so they would either want to improve their English so they would they could do also roles of, you know, a, 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 an American speaker and not just the foreigner. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I did that. And I, of course, I focused more on uh, American accent. Uh, yeah. Okay, it's funny. I was watching last night um, uh, something on, on um, I think it was Netflix, and, and one of the, uh, the um, something about Anna, I, I don't even remember, but she was also in Ozark. Uh, her, Julia Garner, uh, she's a young and up and coming uh, actress, and she's half Israeli. And she, oh, okay. She builds herself, but there's no, and she was doing Southern accents too, and, and I laughed. Uh, and uh, because you know, I, I, I thought of yep. what I had seen with you. Yeah, um, southern accents are fun. <laughs> They're fun today. No comment. Um, no, I mean, as I, I'm talking about the 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 work. 
Okay. In terms of That's the work. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Um, I mean, I, I don't know much about the South because I'm, I live in North yeah. Jersey. Yeah. Uh, so, so be it. Um, anyway, um, uh, uh, you've written, you've done some writing. Uh, anything that we should know about writing-wise? Some things you've written. Uh, um. So mainly, my main things that I've written were for the stage, the fine. plays that I um, that I performed essentially. So uh, a lot of children's plays. Uh, I've done a lot of comedic bits for uh, other shows that I've done. Uh, Inconceivable, which is an entire show that um, I wrote, um, and I've also written. Um, actually within Inconceivable, there's a bit in there. You haven't seen this because the clip is not up yet, but um, I've written a, a kind of um, a, a kind of a satirical children's book <laughs> in a way. Um, it's part of the show. And so that's kind of like a children's book that I've written. And yeah, so I've, yeah, I've done, I've done my, my bits of, uh, of writing. Um, nothing like, you know, a novel or like, you know, you're writing and have written, but, uh, yeah, it's, but it comes to you. It comes to you. It's there. It's there. It's kind of a gift. It's there. And, you know, it's kind of, uh, I call it, I call it inexplicable. Um, I, I do want to go off topic. Um, I like the, uh, off topic right now. Um, it's a cool question. I, I like to ask it. Um, it, it's only a one word answer, so don't worry. Uh, and you don't have to answer it either. But here's the scenario uh, living or dead, excluding family or friends, somebody you'd like to spend the day with. Yeah. Only one? No, you could say a few. It's your thing. And excluding family or friends. Yeah. Okay. Um, living or dead. Robin Williams. Yeah. Um, Wayne Brady. Tina Fey. Um, those would probably be okay. the top ones that I could think of. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Love. They're geniuses. Geniuses. And, and, and geniuses. So many ways. Yeah. Yep, just geniuses. And, and Robin Williams comes in my life every day because every day of my life, because I've taken his voice from Mrs. Daffire and, and I've created characters and I use it on my granddaughter out there. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I, uh, uh, and, and somebody was over to the house last night and they said, Calvin, you sound like Mrs. Daffire. I said, exactly. <laughs> So uh, I, I I marvel uh, at, at Robin Williams con continuing my Tina Fey. Uh, so good answers. Um, um, you also uh, you kind of touched on it already. I mean, you you've written, produced, directed, and and a lot of original uh, material in in, in Israel. Um, if you wanted to. You know, and, say a couple of things about that and um, we did yeah. that for a long time uh, yeah yeah i did it for over uh, almost 20 years wow. um and yeah so it's everything from you know uh, uh it, it's all original stuff everything from children's uh plays to um uh, full-on musicals um and 
shows, uh, kind of like a music repertoire type of show and this solo show that I've done. Um, this Inconceivable is actually the first one that I that I wrote actually just for me, like just a solo. It, first of all, as a solo and, and also me and also about me. <laughs> so that was kind of a whole different thing, yeah. Okay. So let's go back to Inconceivable. There, uh, I again, I, I just have to reiterate that that it so touched me uh, on a personal note because I've been there, uh, and and uh, the humor. So much of what you what I've seen, I didn't see it all, but what I've extracted, uh, it, it's like wow. And and I keep saying to myself, if I only had. If we only had some of that back then. Um, yes, uh, uh, same. I say that to myself. I, <laughs> I say, wow, if yeah. I would have done the show or if I would have seen a show like this back then, just to know that you're not the only one in the world, the freak of nature, just to know that it's okay. And just to know also that it's, not depended on anything. I think a lot of people think, oh, it's because I did this and this, or because I'm from this and this background. No, it, there's no discrimination here. It doesn't matter what background you have, what socioeconomic background you have, what race you are, what age you are, what, you know, what you've done in your childhood. It really, it doesn't discriminate. It can happen for many reasons. And like myself, it can happen also for no reason, because I, I have what's called unexplained infertility, which is the fun kind, wow. <laughs> the kind where you really don't know why mm. everything is functioning, but there's, you know, um, so that's, that's crazy. Yeah. So I think um, that's also important for people to know that, you know, that's, it, it's, it's something, it's something that uh, it, it's, it's, it can be talked about and it's strange that it isn't, and it, it should be talked about more. If, if at least for just people to be a bit more tolerant of what's going on and understanding of what's going on, um, you know, particularly with everything related to, to women's health, but this in particular, I think a lot of it is just, you know, um, put on the sidelines and, and not really given as much focus and, you know, so it's it, it's a shame, and I think that it, it needs to it needs to change because it, you know there's so much. Maybe that maybe that's also part of it. You know, everyone you know people aren't talking about it because it's it's okay, it's okay. Maybe so many people are going through it, but that's why it'll be fine because so many people are going through it, so you'll be fine. And you know, and you're not, and it's okay to not be. And and it also this whole infertility thing uh, correlates directly with mental health, which has also been very much shushed, um, unfortunately and unnecessarily so. And so I think that's also important to bring up um, because it's, you know, people need to talk about these things. I think if the pandemic did one thing, it's brought about that awareness of mental health and that it's, you know, okay to talk about stuff okay. and, it's, and it's okay to actually take care of what's going on with your brain and emotions <laughs> because up until then nothing like that was just crazy people you're crazy <laughs> you know so it's and now people know wait a minute it's not crazy and we're all a little bit 
crazy, like the song, you know, we're all a little bit crazy to some extent and people now understand that that's, you know, there, there's stuff going on that we should talk about. And I think that's also one of the main things for Inconceivable, even with when people watch it and they, and they don't, they don't connect, they don't have, you know, um, any experience with it. They can still connect to the point that, okay, it does show that everyone is going through something. It might not be infertility, but everyone is going through something. Everyone has their baggage. I talk about it right at the beginning of the show. Everyone's got different sets of baggage. They have the whole, you know, matching set or the heavier kind or the kind with the broken wheels or the weird contents inside that spill out. But everyone's got baggage and it's okay. And people need to be understanding a bit more of one another. I have a sales pitch for you. Listen to you. <laughs> okay. Here's the sales pitch, uh, and I don't know if it has relevancy. I think it does. But the deal is, as I see it, we talked about this uh, last week, uh, too. Uh, as, as I see it, um, talking about it, laughing about it, knowing about it, seeing it uh, on stage and, and inconceivable, all of that, that in and of itself, if, if a doctor... You know, if an IVF doctor uh, uh, says to the couple, hey, go watch Inconceivable because you'll laugh and I think it'll help you. I mean, that's, uh, and I actually believe that. Uh, yes. I, I actually believe that. Our, our, our problems weren't unknown. They were quite known. Uh, um, uh, but I, I think if more and I'm going to say this to, you know, my doctor friends that, you know, this, this could be part of a treatment in and of itself for people yes. to laugh. Yes. Uh, I, I think, think um, it definitely. Um, I, and I will say this, um, I'm not a medical professional or a scientist, but I do know uh, people that have been in my audiences. I don't know all of them, but I do know some because they were either friends or friends of friends. But of those people that I know, I know that three people uh, were having issues and got pregnant after watching. Wow. By the way, remarkable. And, and yeah, uh, it's remarkable. and that's three that I know. That's three that I know. I don't know of people that I don't know, but I I, I just know because um, you know somehow I I was connected to them, and then you know following a few months later they had a child, or or following a few months later I found out they were pregnant when I knew that they had been you know going through years years of of. Uh, uh, infertility and issues. And it just makes me so happy. I have no clue if it's connected to the show, but I just, you know, well, it, and it may not be, but I just, I, I, I love to know that that happens after, like, I, I think that would be a great, you know, it's a great icebreaker. It's a, it's a great, it is a great icebreaker. And, and, and it's almost like, you know, it's almost like chicken soup. It can't hurt. Exactly. It can only help. It, it can only help. You know, uh, Along those lines, uh, I've, it, when we were in, in, in the middle of all the stuff we were doing, uh, um, and we heard a million stories of people who adopted, and then the pressure, this enormous pressure uh, that's expressed and inconceivable, is yep. taken off the table. Yeah. And then, you know, two months later, they get pregnant. Yes. You hear that? Uh, many stories of that as well, but um, I would love to add a huge asterisk on that, but that is also not a cure because a lot of people 
think that, okay, let's adopt so that we can get pregnant. Clearly that should not be the motive. Um, But yes, I, I initially thought too, because I had, um, we had initial uh, issues at first when we wanted to first conceive. And then right before we were supposed to start um, fertility treatments, we found out we were pregnant naturally. And then we had our daughter after that, when we tried to get our sibling, that's when we went through uh, the craziness. Um, and I want to come back and talk about that in a minute, but, uh, but yeah, that, that, I guess, moment where I was like, oh, I'll be taken care of and, you know, whatever, I guess maybe that's maybe, you know, whatever. And then afterwards, when we tried again, I said, oh, it'll happen again. I'll be all stressed. And then I'll I'll be about to shoot in my, my first round of, you know, hormones and I'll find out I was pregnant just like the first time. No, the, that time I had to go through everything and, and, and it wasn't successful and everything. And I just want to go back because it reminded me um, secondary infertility is also an issue. Uh, secondary infertility means that uh, a couple already has a child um, naturally, usually, but they cannot uh, conceive again. Um, this happens a lot as well, very common. And it's kind of like this no man's land for people going through it because they have this frustration of trying to conceive and they can't, but yet they also have this guilt, like how dare I, because I already have a child and I can't like talk about it because that's like, what am I not thankful? Am I being too like, you know, I don't know, greedy, uh, you know, and, and that's a thing in itself. And it's also horrible. And it's just, there's so much, there's so many layers and intricacies within this thing um, that it's just mind blowing just to, you know, and, and I've through inconceivable, I've, I've also the, the biggest, one of the biggest privileges has been to meet people going through other, you know, and hearing all these stories. And it's just, wow, they're all so different and so the same. And, and it's just, it's been crazy just learning about all these, you know, things that people are going through. You're just like, oh my God, you're going, you know, people are going through all this craziness and no one's talking and no one's being a bit more, you know, a bit nicer to you. And they're still honking at you down the street. You know, it's like, um, yeah, just a little bit of empathy and tolerance. I think that's, that's the main thing. Everyone's going through something. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this before we went on air and I, I, uh, and again, having watched your trailers a bunch of different times, um, if somebody said my favorite, there's a few favorite things. Um, this is not the question, you know, the, the spritz thing I think is great. Uh, and I'll leave it at that. People let them go watch it to find out what <laughs> they'll I'm have to go about. find out. <laughs> go find out about the spritz thing. Cause, uh, You're doing like there. a, like a, a joke, uh, treasure hunt. <laughs> yep. I've been there, uh, and, and the spritz is real. Uh, and I'll yep. leave it at that. I'll be it. But, uh, very seriously, we talked about this before we went on air and, and I wrote some notes down, uh, now, it, I call it um, a conspiratorial, why inconceivable is so relevant and important and futuristic. And that's a great term, futuristic, because uh, our society and our world is conspiratorial uh, on fertility. Yes. And, and we talked about it. Uh, uh, there are more and more and more issues 
environmental, uh, uh, sociological, uh, uh, the way we live our lives, uh, 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 women and, and, well, couples are waiting, not even couples are waiting longer and longer, and it's getting harder and harder. So we, uh, I think the world is, is heading towards almost an epidemic and infertility. And, and I think inconceivable has even more of a place in the future. People got to look at it and laugh and understand. Yes. Yeah. And, and, I, and I've had people in the audience just because, you know, they came to see a show or they came to see someone told them to come see a comedic show. Uh, but people in the audience who are young, like way before, you know, marriage and, and children. Uh, but it gave them a lot of food for thought because it's something like, oh, hold on. Maybe we should think more forward. I think um, years ago, it wasn't a thing because people would get married and have children younger usually. So, so they didn't really think about, you know, planning in terms of fertility, but now there's a whole thing called fertility planning because you kind of have to take that into consideration now. Um, I mean, whole careers are, are kind of like changed or, and, or dependent on this, uh, nowadays. And it's just a shame, uh, because, you know, uh, alongside your, you know, corporate ladder climbing, you have to also figure out when in the world you're going to inject yourself with the next hormone to get, you know, your eggs sucked out so that um, in a few years, if you decide to, and your eggs survive, you'll be able to have children. Like, I think that is just mind blowing, but it's happening. And, um, you know, not that, you know, maybe we should pressure people to have kids younger. That's not the issue. It's just, you know, there's an issue in that as well, just because we're, what you said, we're, we're living and, and children are going through, growing through a, a, a whole different world environmentally in terms of, you know, all the toxins out there, uh, lifestyles and everything. It's just all together. There's so much more stress, <laughs> you know, in general, because we're such a, you know, global uh, community. So everything is just, you know, you're, you're just connected to everyone all the time and everything is all got to be done and you got to do this and everything, every job out there that you want to become successful has so much stress to it. It's, it's really, there's a lot to, to take into consideration. It's, you know, people kind of have to, um, I don't know, think about things differently. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's an issue. It's a huge issue. Uh, it's, uh, I, I, I wrote about this in, in my novel not too long ago, and I discussed it with my son and daughter-in-law and my wife. We were all sitting and chatting. Um, but you said something uh, a couple of seconds ago. Uh, um, environmentally, there's, I don't know how many, 40, 50, 60 million Americans water is exposed to uh, hormone disruptors. Not just that, everything, metals, all, all that stuff. It's just, it's, uh, it's just, and then you can't opt for, you know, plastic bottles because you have the plastics issue and the water there is not any better. And then you can't opt for it. So basically, you know, the things that are more, most basic to you, which is water and oxygen, those oh are, are just completely toxic right now. Correct. So what are you to do? And then people just like, oh, just give up because everything is toxic. Everything is 
but it, you know, it's just, it's, it's awful. Um, it needs to change. I think there, I think there is much more awareness now. And I think there is sort of, you know, a movement of change. I think it obviously should move faster because it's going to affect this coming generation in terms of, uh, you know, at least fertility wise, but yeah, it's, it's just crazy. It's, it's sad and crazy. Correct. And, and that's heavy. And, and we have to go back to. And now some comedy. So I'll just no. say a little joke about a vagina and then we're. <laughs> go ahead. I mean, yeah. yeah. By the way, it's part of. Yeah, but it's part of the, it's part of inconceivable also, because, you know, I, I said, you know, this it's the topic is just, it's so heavy and so loaded um, that if I didn't talk, I mean, I couldn't even talk about my own stuff without laughing. So definitely not talk about it in front of people that, you know, need to, there's no way I can't, I, I, I will always opt for, to watch a comedy over a drama or tragedy. So definitely better to, to, you know, seep in the comedy. So, yeah. Good. And, and inconceivable is just filled with it. Uh, your, your segment on visiting the gyno. <laughs> great stuff. I mean, it's great stuff. Your accents, uh, it, uh, truly and again i didn't see the whole thing i did the yeah you have to see the show yeah, I will, hopefully I i'll get love, to your area soon and you'll i be would able love to, yeah you have to talk about that when we go off air which we're yeah. about ready to do uh uh you know mirab this has been great uh and and uh i am uh, a huge fan even though i haven't seen it <laughs> work the mission uh, the identification I have, I said all that already. Uh, uh, it, it's, it's brave and amazing what you've done. Uh, uh, it's so needed. We talked about you. that and, and, and to, to laugh at that. So, uh, yes, uh, I'm telling everybody to go check everything down there and, and, the, and the links and everything will be for people to see. Um, uh, yeah, I, 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 just to kind of wrap it up, um, you know, inconceivable. Uh, by the way, I, I I can foresee I I can foresee this as SOP standard operating procedure that you know you're in the middle of all this. Go watch inconceivable. By the way, standard operating procedure. That's yeah. because having lived it, I, I know, and I can say it because I've lived it for enough years. Yep. Uh, uh, um, uh, I always like to ask this because I'm, I'm uh, a, a movie buff and it's, watching movies have changed my life. You know, Casablanca, we talked about that. Yeah, yeah. Do you have favorite, uh, do you have favorite movies, favorite directors, favorite uh, actors? Um, yes, but, but so many to list. Okay. Um, but, but I, I love movies too. I mean, I love theater, but I really love movies too. I, I look at different things, uh, movies. Like I, I also look at, you know, I love, I, I really do. I love movies in all aspects. Like I look at, you know, the, the, um, the angles and the acting and, and, if there was continuity, I don't even know if you know, uh, you know, the continuity, uh, I, I'll call that out. I love um, the blooper reels. Love it. <laughs> I just, I'm like, that is my favorite thing sometimes in a movie. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love the writing. I love to see the delivery. I love to 
kind of think of how that process was with the director and what was going on, you know, off screen. And um, I just, yeah, um, I love movies too. Yeah. I, I want to go back uh, to what you said, uh, continuity. And a lot of people don't realize what, what continuity is. And for me, it's a huge thing. Uh, I'll give you two examples. Uh, what the important continuity is you got to make sure everything is flowing and done the right way. So I, I've watched Casablanca 150 times, literally, and it's changed my life, I'm not going into it. But there, there's a scene, and in, 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 I mean, the director, uh, My, Michael Curtiz, great director, and just a great, great director, and uses shadows like nobody else I've ever seen. Uh, the, word, the way he uses shadows in a black and white movie uh, is a work of art. Truly, you know, where the, where the shadows fall on Ingrid Bergman's face uh, and shadows, uh, and, I mean, it, my goodness, it, it belongs in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Yeah. Uh, and that's how much I love that movie. But then there's just one scene that rips my guts out because uh, there's no continuity there and it kills me. And it does ruin the movie for me uh uh it, it's the scene in the train station when bogart's waiting uh for ilsa uh and it's pouring rain and she's not going to show up and sam has that letter and he's reading the letter in a pouring rain in pouring rain in the train station and they got to get out of paris before the nazis get there and 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 it's raining so hard that the ink smears and then sam says get on the train we got to get out of here so they're completely drenched. And, and two seconds later, he's standing on the, the steps leading up to the train and he's completely dry. <laughs> Humphrey Bogart. So that, that... They had those drier vents on the entrance of the trains back then, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So that, you know what? It killed it for me. And then uh, 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 one of my other uh, movies that I love is it's Hitchcock's North by Northwest. I love it. Uh, it's just a great movie. I mean, it's an old movie, and Cary Grant love him. Uh, uh, and yet, there's, there's a scene near the end, and I, I'm not giving anything away. And again, this is continuity. Uh, powerful. There's a scene near the end. They're in this this big cafeteria, and there's going to be a shooting scene. And even Marie Saint uh, it, it shoots. Uh, and 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 I've seen the movie, you know, 50 times, not 150. And she's ready to shoot. Uh, and right in the background behind uh, her shoulder there, there's a little kid who puts his hands to his ears before she, she even shoots. Are you kidding me? So that's the power of, of continuity. It ruined yes. the movie for me. Although I'm sure that even though it did somehow slide past by editing, I'm sure the, the filmmakers also see what you, they also saw what you saw and they also kills them too oh. um, but yeah but yeah it's uh but you know it's part of it it's part of it's part of that and it also kind of you know as as a viewer you're like okay yeah it's it's part of the it, it's part of the deal so um yeah but it's you know it's all good it's not a perfect world <laughs> right? uh, it's not so um I, I can't thank you enough uh first of all for conceiving inconceivable <laughs> how's that for conceiving yeah. it, uh, a little bit too late for me, but never too late. And and it, it's brilliant and it's wonderful and it's thank needed. You. And, and thank you so much for your passion 
and your time and for being here. And and, and by the way, I, I, I say it now, I say it off air. You know, come back. Uh, I'm here. Yes, I'd be happy to. Come back uh, in any shape, way, or form whenever, because I'm always here. Thank you. Wearing out fears. Um, so thank you so much and to be continued. Yes, okay, thank you. Perfect. I'm going to sign off now.